and welcome to the Thinking Not Podcast. I'm Cap, and I'm joined remotely again by Charles. It's been too long since I've seen you in person, my friend. And between your travels and mine, I think it's going to be a probably a, another week or so before we are together. But I appreciate you hopping on remotely so we can keep putting out podcasts. How are you doing this week, Charlie? I'm doing really well, Cap. I hope you are too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I hope that you got your full four hours of sleep last night because it's one <laughs> of our aerobic episodes today. We're going rapid fire with 10 random cards. And I know these are your favorite shows because it gives you a chance to break out your Jane Fonda leotard and your leg warmers. Are you, <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready to get aerobicized? Yes, sure. sure. <laughs> All right. Charlie's ready to get sweaty and I'm ready to read random questions. So you know what that means? Let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts, if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. Okay, so let's remind listeners how we play this game. I have 10 cards on my table here. And on each card is written a prompt from one of five categories. The categories are current events, reaction to something that I've read recently, personal, which is a personal question about you. And I've got a, one in there that I just know you're going to hate today, Charlie. Um, what would Charlie do is our fourth category. And then finally, quizzical query, uh, some of which come from listeners. So I've spread them here on the table. What I've done this time, Charlie, is I've put numbers on the back because you're remote. So I'm just going to have you pick one by number and then I'll sit back, finish up my Sunday Times crossword while you talk for a bit. Another, <laughs> another reason why this is one of my favorite types of episodes. All right, so Charlie. So I'm putting 40 minutes on the timer. Get us started by picking a number between one and 10. Three. All right. This is reaction to something that I've read recently. And um, so this is the quotation out of the book. Cyrus reminds us that rivers are easiest to cross at their source. The raging waters and deadly currents of bad habits, ill-discipline, chaos, and dysfunction, somewhere they began as no more than just a slight trickle. So, Charlie, this references, I think, kind of something that you've talked about, you know, some of the issues that may start for us in childhood. Even more than that, uh, we have opportunities almost every single day to do the right thing. And sometimes we choose not to do that at the moment. So your reaction to the idea that getting 
nipping those things early in the process versus letting them fester and make us feel perhaps like we're imposters down the road? The I would like to just pause for a second and go back to the word that came up in the question, which was, uh, we know the right thing to do. And I believe that right is for me, like what's true to me, what would be honest. And that's right for me. When I'm being honest about how I really feel and what I really am thinking, then in that regard, I'm being right for me. I have to trust that the person I'm talking to wants me to be honest. If they don't want me to be honest, I want to see that and know who I'm talking with. And their reaction to my honesty tells me whether or not they appreciate my honesty or they don't. So I have clues straight away out the gate as to what type of conversation you're interested in having. And when I pay attention to that, more than likely, I'm not going to take it in a direction that you don't want to go because I'm paying attention to you and you're paying attention to me and I'm keeping things in your comfort zone. You want to dive deeper? We can dive deeper. You want to keep things at a, at a level where you're, but let's stay there. That's fine. There's no harm, no foul. It's just, let's be real though. Let's be honest. So my reaction to how we get confused about what would be true to me is because I am trying to predict what kind of consequences it may have if I'm honest. So I am not, my goal isn't to be honest. My goal is to avoid, be as honest as I can without having consequences. So I'm, I'm really managing the conversation as opposed to having a conversation. Right. That blocks me from having a good relationship with you because I'm reacting to what I think you want to hear in a way, not really what's honest to me. And then you're reacting to what I say, thinking I'm being honest. And so part of your reaction is to something that I really didn't feel, but I was holding back. So we get confused. Like, what are you really feeling is what you end up asking me. And I have learned that I should start there and avoid the confusion because I'm going to have to clear it up anyways if I'm having a real conversation. So when I just start from honest, it's not because I want to bowl you over, but I'm just going to have to end up getting honest anyways if we're going to have a good conversation. So let's just start from being honest. Now, when you when we backtrack to a feeling or an experience when we're younger and like a painful experience and it reminds me of something and I want to uh, act in a self-protective way or a defensive way or, a, you know, a, a way that you didn't know why I reacted so strongly. Um, I, I talk about a sponsoring event or a traumatic event. Now, in the present conversation, I can talk about a sponsoring feeling or a sponsoring thought. Like, I could have this conversation with you right now and I think, oh, not really interested in what I'm saying. 
And I have that thought unbeknownst to you. You don't know that. I'm like reading your body language or I'm looking and I'm thinking, ah, I'm boring him. Or... So I make a decision that I need to say something different to get you back involved in this conversation. So I shift somehow in what I'm talking about and confuse you because I want to entertain you and engage you again as opposed to express myself. And I do this without even thinking about it. And you're trying to follow me and I'm trying to follow you. And we're having a conversation where it's a dance. And as I dance around you, you're dancing around me and we're dancing around the subject. So we're two people dancing around our feelings and our thoughts around a subject while we're using different words that we think we know what they mean. And then we have to get more specific about that. Like, remember when I used the word fun or what do you mean right. by fine or anything like that? I mean, certain basic words that I think we could take for granted, you can't. Just don't know what it means. So all of this slows us down. And we have come to believe that when we slow down, we're wasting time because we always feel like we're running behind. So anything that slows me down is making it worse, not better. I think my mind tells me I have to speed up and I'm already running so fast, I can't, everything's a blur. So I go back to the sponsoring event or the sponsoring thought and say, where did I start to be dishonest to myself with you? Okay. I hope that answers something. I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> it's, it's always it's always helpful, even if it doesn't answer the question. It's always we always get someplace someplace good. Oh. I'm so hopeless. <laughs> you, are, you are anything but hopeless. All right, um, we'll pick another number between one and ten, except for three. Okay. Well, I had to pick three in honor to. Uh, Dr. Freud. I mean, he's just made threes everywhere show up for me. So <laughs> now we can do, let's do eight. Okay. All right. This is a personal question. This is, this is the one, Charlie, that I told you you're going to hate. So <laughs> because it, it came from kind of a thought exercise that uh, I came across and I didn't pick it because I thought you'd hate it. I picked it because I thought it was kind of interesting, but here we go. So this is okay. something personal for you. If you were one of the four seasons, which one would you be and why? And just note that I'm not asking you which season you like best, but rather which one do you identify as? I identify as spring. Okay. And tell me why. I believe that my human nature is, uh, one of uh, redemption and renewal and uh, the phoenix rising from whatever. Uh, I, I, I grow and then I, 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 re I retrench and then I re replenish and I grow again. So if I look at myself, I just really say, well, I have some downtime, but basically I'm just springing forward all the time. So that's my yeah. favorite yeah. Nope. Interesting. Uh, so, and I would imagine that a lot of people probably identify with spring. I also identified sure. with spring for some of the same reasons. I mm -hmm. um, have 
throughout my life, it, uh, I have started over so many times, um, whether it's been, you know, moving to a new city or starting a new job or, uh, whatever. And so, you know, spring for me is kind of emblematic of that starting over and also the, the growth, the growth that comes from, you know, my whole life, I feel like has been a process of growing and God forbid, just why do we have to bring her into this? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great question, and I'll I'll uh, put that on your ten random questions for July. <laughs> All right, uh, pick another number between one and ten. All right, let's do ten. Okay. Okay, this is a question, a quizzical query. This one actually came from a listener. So you seem to have an Eastern, and I've kind of reworded it, Charlie, but the question was, you seem to have, and they're talking about you, uh, seem to have an Eastern bent to your philosophy or approach to life. Is there a particular book you would recommend for someone interested in learning more about this approach? For a Western mind uh, to approach the Eastern mind, I would say uh, Dancing with the Wu Yi Masters. Okay. It's by uh, Gary Zukoff. It's a blend of uh, spirituality, some philosophy, and then some physics. Okay. It's been out for uh, quite some time, and he's 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 got some interesting stories and some interesting approaches. So, Gary Zukoff. Got it. Dancing with the Wu Yi Masters. Okay, and uh, let me. Just ask, is it fair? Was was it an accurate statement that you have a bit of an Eastern bent to your philosophy or approach to life? I think the accurate part of it is I'm bent. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've told you but, to get bent more than once, but <laughs> but but you know I don't have a preference Eastern Western. What I knew is that I had a a Western conditioning. And I had been introduced some uh, to the in the Eastern open-endedness that I found more um, accurately reflecting my life's experiences. The Western orientation of logic and sequence and being practical and trial, experiment, fix, move on you know, project-oriented and goal-oriented and, and time schedules and parameters. And none of that involves Eastern approaches to life, which is about flow and rhythm and harmonies, not ledger sheets balances, yeah. but integration of energies. Uh, and they make martial arts out of it. And, and most of the martial arts are not about um, aggression in the slightest. It's about controlling your energies and being mindful of their energies and using their energies as, in a way to keep yourself safe. It's self-defense without being aggressive. That I found appealing. So every time I saw an Eastern approach to the same human life that I have, I thought, oh, that fits better with me than kickboxing or, you know, just like the whole feel of it feels like more organic, more holistic. 
And the fact that they have thousands of years and we only have, you know, hundreds uh, in our country and maybe, you know, so I'm thinking they've been around a while. So acupuncture seems to work. Chiropractic seems to work. Lots of herbal medicine seem to work. What, what is my bias towards my hemisphere versus their hemisphere? And that's what I had to surrender. I'd say, I don't know. Let's go look. Let's go feel. Yeah. Good. So very interesting. Uh, it's, I, you know, it's been so long since I've read it. I probably uh, should go back and reread it before I make a recommendation. I just remember the uh, the books Zen and the Art of Motorcycle. <laughs> Robert Persig. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, and then the Tao of Pooh. Um, <laughs> so taking uh, kind of that. Eastern philosophy and applying it to Winnie the Pooh story. So, mm. well, I don't know. Robert Persig talked about the Church of Reason. I don't know if you've remembered it that much. I mean, but it was a was a powerful um, image that he tried to present to us. That we have uh, we surrendered worshiping at the Church of um, how do I put it? of things we can't see and explain and started worshiping in the church of everything we can and excluding things that didn't make sense. We just, if it didn't make sense, it wasn't, wasn't in our church anymore. The church of reason is uh, where we thought as human beings, we'd evolved. We've gone from primitive, just, you know, uh, worshiping the sun and worshiping, yep. you know, to something about reason. Now. We're in the church of reason. Uh, how's it working for us? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Phil wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Charlie, we've got one, two, four, five, six, seven, and nine left. Did you think I didn't know? I, I'm just reminding you. You can't, you can't see them. So. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm, not, I'm old. I know. All right. Let's do one. Okay. All right, this is also reaction to a reading. So something that I read, and this one's actually been on 10 random questions for, I think this is the third month and you've never selected it. So when I was a boy, my mother shared an African proverb that said, when an ax meets wood, only the ax forgets. We could spend time arguing about whether you're the biggest or the smallest axe, but fundamentally that's time wasted, an indulgence to avoid considering that even the smallest axe can fell a tree, and that consequentially we all have an ability or a responsibility to act with vigilance and care. So no surprise that this comes from um, a book I've mentioned before that is really about leadership and he's talking about how it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or somebody in the call center, everybody has responsibilities of leadership and be aware that in that role, anybody can do something of great kindness, but also can inflict a cut that can be catastrophic and never forgotten by the tree. Any thoughts to mm -hmm. that? 
<laughs> Not that you won't edit out. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I'm just absolutely joshing because I was going to start cursing is, is why I said it like that. Um, because that's so abstract for me as to be like, why are you even giving me that image? Like, like make it more real for me. Like a, a, a single cutting remark can make a lasting wound on a stranger that you'll never see again. Now, that is better than an axe and a wood for me, for me, for me. But we need more modern proverbs. We need more, you know. I agree. Uh, contemporary wisdoms that are like in, in nugget forms so that we can just remember because I just, oh, yeah, I forgot. I could have had a V8 was a tagline once for a product, you know, but it's one of those things where I go, oh, I forgot. But if I can put it in a nugget form, then maybe. And that's why I come up with bumper stickers sometimes, because I think it's just like, why not? Who cares? But Meditation, it's not what you think. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and that, you know, my last two questions, why not and who cares, are two really important questions that I just threw out there, but if I go back and bring you back to them, we can go, oh, whoa, whoa, those should have been on the cards. Why not is a very interesting question. Because in our technology, we tell ourselves if we can, then we should. But there's a question that we never ask. We can do that. Should we do that? And the question is, why wouldn't we? It would be because maybe it would take us to places we don't want to go. That's why not. What I'm, I guess, trying to express is that the why not question is not a throwaway question. It's important to ask yourself, like, what am I doing? And why not consider doing something else if I'm not getting the results that I'm happy with? I keep yep, trying I, to do it over. Like, if I did it over one more time, I'll get a better result. Well, everybody knows how insane that is. All right, Charlie. Uh, let's see. Two, four, five, six, seven, nine. Nine. Oh, this is the one I was hoping you'd pick today. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, never, never mind. It's not. Ah. Uh. I'm going to find, I don't know where it is, but before we leave, I'm going to make sure there's one question I really want you to, to speak to. All right. This one, turn it over now. Just ask me. <laughs> yeah, we'll do this one first. This, cause this one actually is a listener, um, listener quizzical query in our episode on self forgiveness. You talked about having the mindset that you're going to make mistakes. But a listener asked, is it a different process for forgiving yourself for mistakes versus forgiving yourself for things you did on purpose? When I did something on purpose that hurt myself or hurt somebody else, the way I forgive myself and the way I ask for someone else to uh, extend some grace in my direction for my uh, less than best efforts at the moment. 
Um, I, I want to backtrack to the place inside my choice that had me giving myself permission to go against what I thought was what I knew to be true or I knew to be honest. Because uh, again, you use the word right and I, I can only associate that with regards to being true to me and being honest about what I thought and what I felt. That's right for me. And if I've gone against what was right for me, I want to ask myself, why can't I be honest? What is it about my truth that I'm trying to hide, either from myself or from the person I was talking to? And then when I, in, in meditation and or in journaling or in conversation with somebody else, you know, when I say, I don't know, every time she asks me that question, I just, I don't tell her how I really feel. And so I'm talking to a friend and the friend can say, well, what's that? You know, so they'll walk me through. What is it that I'm afraid of by telling how I really feel? So, so there's a way to get through not being true to myself that doesn't involve condemning myself. It involves exploring myself, investigating myself, revealing myself to myself, and then trying better the next time. Yeah, That's and, forgiveness. You know, one of the one of the things that I have experienced through meditation is, and this, you know, again, very different level of meditation than what. Uh, your many years of practice has gotten uh -huh. you to, but um, yeah. in you know, in some of the guided meditations that I've done, it, they have talked about emotions as a warning sign, right? So it's an alarm bell. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling regretful, or if you're feeling, you know, a particular emotion, it's perhaps an alarm that you aren't being true to yourself, that you aren't. And rather than get into a meditation where you are depressed and you're condemning yourself because you feel that way or you did something to make you feel that way, be thankful for the alarm because what it's done is it's made you explore an action or an emotion that you might have repressed or avoided or ignored before, right? And so for me, that's been a, a helpful kind of approach to start to think of some of these things. And, and you know, I'll make up an example here because, you know, like you're um, out driving and somebody cuts you off and, you know, you casually throw the finger up and, you know, I'm making this up because I'd never do anything like that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, in that moment, you know, you are instantly regretful, or I could imagine somebody being instantly regretful because that's not how they want to show up. That's not how they want to live their their life, perhaps meditating later that day or, a, you know, the next day. Uh, and 
you feel that regret and you see it as an as a signal that you've done something that goes against what you want your true nature to be. And so in, in you know in looking at it that way versus condemning myself for having a momentary lapse in you know how I want to show up has been been helpful. You know, you you said something to me once, Charlie, in one of our tennis court talks. You said something that you've never repeated, but has stuck with me for all this time. You said, prisoners go to prison for 20 years and have paid their debt to society why can't you forgive yourself for something that happened 40 years ago? Right. And it was an interesting way to to look at it. Some of us do hold on to things that, you know, people we've hurt and uh, we feel terrible about it and we refuse to let ourselves off the hook for it. And um, that's not necessarily healthy to to keep that inside ourselves all those, all those years. It, well, absolutely not. Because first of all, I'm on a hook that I put myself on. That's one of the things I have to uh, accept, that um, how I feel I treated the other person may not be how I came across to them. I may have felt I was shitty, and they thought I was just in a bad mood, but I wasn't shitty. You know, it was just like, oh, yeah, that was just you having a bad day. Whereas I'm thinking, oh, man. I just really like I I was cruel or I was so unkind, so out of, you know, out of my true nature that uh, I have to go and, and tell them how sorry I am. I was such a, a SOB. And I go over and I say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm such a SOB. And they go, what are you talking about? You know, when I said, uh, you know, your dress wasn't like or or your uh, the way you, you played today wasn't so good or whatever it is I said that I didn't say kindly or didn't say. So a lot of times I am on an uh, internal hook, like a, a high expectation hook for my own behavior. And I have asked us, you and me in particular, to consider that I don't want to live up to an outside standard of what I think I should be. I want to live into how I'm showing up. So if I flip somebody the bird in traffic, I want to say, all right, that's not usually how you respond. What is going on with you? Because that is that person, that driver, that car, I don't know them. What is going on with me? Right. That took what they did personally so that I flip them off personally and feel now like, uh, who am I? I'm such a, you know, look at me, you know, just being. And so I, I, I get down on myself as opposed to embrace my humanity and say, yeah, you know, all of that choosing is still available to you. How do you feel after you flipped them off? Do you feel better or worse? 
And I say, I feel worse. Try not to do that as often. That's all I say. If you feel worse, if it were, uh, I don't know, broccoli, and broccoli gives me gas. And I go, I really love the taste, but I get the, the winds. You say, well, eat less broccoli. You don't say, oh, I wish I could eat more broccoli. I'm gonna eat broccoli and see if I can take Rolaids or Tums and maybe that'll help. Like I try to adjust my behavior as opposed to just react to the fact that broccoli and I, you know, we get a little windy. <laughs> uh, you know, I can always count on you to keep it real even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you never know. You I'm never gonna know. I'm gonna pick your last question for you. You just you just pick number five. Thank you for that. I would never have gone smack dab in the middle. <laughs> I just wouldn't have. You're a fringe player, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is current event. Okay. So I'm a big believer in the idea of community and us all playing a role in making our communities work. However, I was struck with a discomforting thought while watching the January 6th public hearings, and it was this. Many of those insurrectionists who violently attacked Capitol Police were part of a community too. Maybe it isn't a healthy community, but they've definitely built a community of like-minded people. So in this time of communities being built online, what role do you think community really plays today in building and growing the next generation of leaders or just good people? The, uh, we can't build good people. That's not something that we can do. What we can do is encourage people to grow in the direction of their goodness, their own goodness. Or we can tell them they better protect their goodness they better be really careful with their goodness and uh, don't waste it. Um, there's, there's messages that we give people, our young ones and even our adult friends of go, no go zones, good, not good uh, behaviors or things to say around me or whatever. So I guess what the answer to, to that is, if you're gonna build uh, a community of angry, deprived uh, victims. It's, you're gonna have takers. You're gonna have people that wanna join that club, so to speak. And you will reinforce and you will magnify and you will amplify the things you're telling each other to the point where you start to bring it out and show other people what you're thinking and feeling. And guess what? Other people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. How long have you been doing that? Wait, 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 what? So at some point, all that secret conspiracy kind of stuff that goes on in backyards at picnics sometimes, who knows where it goes on? They think that the leftist has cabals, you know, somewhere doing their thing. And I don't, I don't know what they're doing. They met in some hotel somewhere and they planned secret strategies. Not so secret, okay. But this is, this is where this us versus them is the antithesis of what 
I thought and we thought America was founded for. It's the antithesis of community. That's correct. So with that in mind, when you talk about a, 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 a community, I don't think they have a community. They have a gathering around an issue or a cause. But that's not a community. Because once that cause is either relieved or resolved or eliminated, those people won't hang with each other anymore. They don't really like each other. They just have a common cause. And right now it's, I'm going to protect you if you protect me. I'll co-sign your lie if you co-sign mine. And that's not how community gets established. By lying to each other. Community gets established by agreeing to be honest with each other. Even if the honesty is not pretty, this is where we are. Let's see if we can make it better together. And that's your podcast, our podcast, to try to do things a little better together. So just along those same lines, I read an article last week, and you may have stumbled across it too, but a group of and I will probably get this wrong, but I believe it was a group of uh, African-American women uh, in the in Georgia. I'm not sure if it was even outside the Atlanta area, but in Georgia, uh, decided to kind of create their own community of people uh, so that, you know, that shared uh, common approach. Is this what we are destined to become is instead of an America of 50 states an America of, you know, 100 million communities? Uh, no. No. Because the, because the goodness in those communities – We'll naturally reach out to the goodness of other good communities, and we will organize around goodness again. Right now, the, the clubs, as I call, that are organized around causes are going to run out of reasons to hang together. They're just, they're going to run out of steam before we run out of goodness. So I trust in goodness to prevail. I trust in good people to continue to turn to each other and support and nurture and step up and step in and not think, oh, somebody else will take care of this. There's enough good people out there. They don't need me. Oh, apparently we do. Apparently we all are needed. And we don't get to phone it in. We don't get to just spectate and say, oh, well, democracy will make it. No, actually, it may not. And with that in mind, all I have to do is... Be honest, be real, don't pretend that I don't care, because I do care. Don't pretend there's nothing I can do. I just can't do everything, but there's always some little things every day I can do in the direction of kindness and caring and trying. That's all I need to do. I don't have to solve world hunger. I don't have to solve poverty. I don't have to solve anything. I have to continue to live into the goodness that I know will prevail because that's where I'm going. That's where everyone else who has a good heart wants to go. We just thought we were there already. 
Cap. We yeah. thought that democracy was a given. I thought Road v, v, v. Way was established law. I've never seen this stuff before in my lifetime. Never seen such craziness. But here we are. And we've seen some pretty crazy times in the '60s. I mean, we've seen we've seen a lot of stuff that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. But, I, I but, can't believe but we're Trumpism. Here. Trumpism is Nixonianism on steroids. Nixon was a solitary bad actor with maybe a dozen bad actors around him. This is like this was whole cabinets. This was whole departments. This was whole agencies. And it happened so easily and so yeah. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you put a monkey in the pilot seat of a 747, he's going to push buttons. He doesn't know what they do. <laughs> All right. I love you. Love you too, Charlie. I miss you. I miss you. I can't wait to be able to get back together in person. All right. Thanks for the podcast today, right. Charlie. You stay well. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please tell 10 random people about it. Then plant yourself at the nearest local coffee shop. Order a frozen mocha made with coconut milk and an extra shot at the bottom. Pull out your phone and rate, follow, or subscribe, and review The Thinking Knot. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com and more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that today brings 10 random beautiful things your way. They're probably there if you look for them. Be good to each other. <laughs>